0: The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. Everybody close your eyes. Don't fall asleep. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about the single biggest influence that was a positive influence in your life. I want you to think about their name. I want you to... Think about their face. Think about maybe a particular instance that they really impacted your life or maybe a series of instances or circumstances where they impacted your life in a positive way. What did they do that was such a big deal that you're thinking about them right now? Go ahead and open your eyes. What was the big deal that made you think about that person in that moment? What was the thing that they did or maybe the things that they continued to do? How many of you guys maybe thought about a parent or grandparent? Raise your hand. How many of you guys thought about a a coach or a teacher? How many of you guys thought of a certain pastor? Where's the hands? How many of you guys thought about maybe a Someone else, maybe I haven't mentioned the person you were thinking of. You, You thought about someone else. We all have influences in our lives that have made an impact in our lives. And we're grateful for the gift that they were and maybe still are to us. But I want us all to realize something we all have influence, you have influence. The people in your life that you were just thinking about do not possess something special that makes them better than you. You have influence, everyone has influence, but not everyone takes responsibility for the influence that God has given them. We don't recognize it and we don't own that position of influence that God has given us. Let's go over to 2 Timothy in the first chapter 2 Timothy. Remember, this is the Apostle Paul writing to young Timothy, and this is a season in Timothy's life that Paul is addressing where Timothy is coming under an attack. He's questioning his call. He's questioning the validity of his own gifts and skills. He's questioning if he has what it takes, and he's very afraid and intimidated by an established leadership or an established group of people that's causing him a lot of pain and a lot of anxiety. And it's, calling him, it's causing him to call into question the very thing that God has put on the inside of him to do. So Paul writes him a letter of encouragement and somewhat also of a letter of correction to help him to see the responsibility he needs to take for the influence that he's been given and the gifts. That God has put on the inside of him. So let's read 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verse 1 Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus to Timothy my beloved child grace mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience "...as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. I'm remembering your tears. I long to see you, so I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands." For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Paul is calling something out of Timothy that's already inside of him. He's saying that there was a genuine faith in your grandmother Lois, and there was a genuine faith in your mother Eunice. And I'm convinced, I'm certain that you've got the goods too. That same faith that was modeled for you, the influence that was passed down in your family, I am certain that it's in you because you saw it in action. You were exposed to it. I've seen fruit of it in your own life. And so I'm reminding you now, I'm encouraging you, I'm exhorting you, I'm challenging you to stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. He said, I laid my hands on you, I prayed over you, and God gave you these gifts because of all this influence that he had around you and all of the things that he has naturally put on the inside of you by his Holy Spirit. Now it's your responsibility, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God that is on the inside of you. Paul said the type of faith that was on the inside of Timothy was a genuine one. It was an authentic one. It was a real faith. He said, that's the type of faith. When I think about your grandmother, when I think about your mom, I think about a real genuine person who had a real genuine faith. In other words, their walk matched their talk the type of person that actually followed through and did what they said that they believed. I saw that consistently in your grandmother and your mother, and I've seen it in you too. It's a genuine type of faith. Authenticity is real influence. That is the only real influence is authenticity, good or bad. People are going to follow who we really are, not who we claim to be or who we portray to be. They're going to follow who we really are, good or bad. The most frustration that you're going to experience in life and in leadership is going to be when you try to get people to be someone you're not. Oh, let me say that again, just so it sinks in real good. The most frustration that you're going to experience in parenting, the most frustration you're going to experience as a manager in your company, the most most frustration that you're going to experience in your marriage, The most frustration that you're going to experience in any sphere of influence that God has given you is when you try to get people to do something that you're not already doing. You're just going to get frustrated. Man, I want them to show up on time, and you don't show up on time. I want them to be diligent about certain tasks, and you're not diligent about certain tasks. I want them to be good responders. You're not a good responder. I want them to be able to control their temper, and you're not controlling your own temper. They need to control their mouth. And then we say this thing like it's okay, and we tell other people to don't do as I do, do as I say. That doesn't make it okay just because we say that. That doesn't make our actions or our inactions okay just because we're telling someone the right things to do when we ourselves are not living it. You see, authenticity is real influence, genuine influence. That's the type of faith that Paul saw in Timothy and in his mother and in his grandmother. And he was trying to give Timothy this mantle, this weight, this responsibility, if he was willing to take it, to say, this is my responsibility to set the tone, to set the example, because I recognize God has given me influence. And I'm responsible for the influence that God has given me. And every one of us, no matter who you are, you all have influence at some level. You all have people that are looking to you, that are taking cues from you. We all have people that are watching us, that God has put us in their lives as an example, much like the person that you thought of when your eyes were closed earlier. What are we doing with that influence? What type of person are we being? We are called to take a generational responsibility, a generational responsibility to invest in both the current and the next generation's. We're, we're to influence with the authenticity that we live out, with the way that we use the gifts that God has given us. And it can start with you. Maybe you would say, well, Pastor, I had a terrible example as a... As a uh, you know, a, a child growing up, maybe you had absent parents, or maybe you didn't have the best example set before you, and you know, I just I'm just doing what was taught to me, and we make all these excuses instead of own the fact that God has given us influence, and it can actually start to have a generational positive, God honoring impact by us taking responsibility for the influence that we've been given, not making excuses for the things we didn't have not making excuses for, oh, well, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. Oh, I didn't grow up with the best of circumstances. Oh, I didn't grow up with the love and the attention, so I just don't know how to give it. And we make all these excuses to why we don't take responsibility for our influence and the gifts that God has given us, and instead we want to just blame everyone else. That's not acceptable in the eyes of God because Paul is calling Timothy to own it. He's calling him to take responsibility to man up and to own the influence that God has given him in his life and he's calling into remembrance those who influenced him as well my dad always wanted best you know the best for our family he always wanted better than what he had and i think that's pretty common with parents we would just want them to have a better experience than perhaps what we had as children or growing up so we evaluate the things we didn't like about our experience in our adolescence and growing up and maybe some of the mistakes we made in our youth or maybe even some of the mistakes that we still make. And we're trying to carve out a pathway for them to experience something better. We all want better and my dad came from a, a generational line of people who had made very, very bad decisions concerning the way that alcohol was abused and the way that prescription drugs were abused, a very long line. As a matter of fact, my dad ended up uh, having to bury his sister and two of his nephews to drug overdose. One of them is in prison because of drug overdose for life because there was a death that, was, uh, that, that happened as a result of drugs that he gave someone. And my grandfather died in his 50s because of liver poisoning, because he just drank so much. I remember my dad telling me stories about my grandfather taking my dad as a three, four, five-year-old kid to the bar, and my dad said I would stay there for eight, nine, ten hours while he would just get drunk with his buddies at the bar, and I would just sit there watching the TV eating peanuts, and my dad recalled many times where he would be embarrassed to even invite friends to come over the house because there were many occasions where my grandfather would be laid out drunk in the yard, and he would just be completely passed out, or he would be out of his mind and just saying all kinds of crazy things and, you know, doing all kinds of just irrational things, and my dad was just embarrassed as a child, so my dad told me I I never invited kids over the house after a couple of those instances, and he made the decision. That he said, not so for my family. I'm going to take a generational responsibility and I'm going to nip this thing in the bud. And I don't want that for my kids. I don't want that type of experience. And I thank God that I didn't have that type of experience growing up. And my children won't have to have that type of experience growing up. Now, has my dad been perfect? No. Has my dad made mistakes? Absolutely. But at the same time, he understands the grace of God that's been in operation in his life, and he's modeled that for us as well. And he's shown us, even in his own failures and even in his own temptations and struggles, the grace of God at work and how he refused to give up. And that thing broke. It broke over our whole family. So now there are no more Armstrong men because I'm the last one in our family. Now my son is going to have to carry on the Armstrong name, which was a pretty big deal to my dad. (laughs) And And now my son's not going to have to even think about growing up in that environment. He doesn't have to worry about dad being passed out drunk. He doesn't have to worry about uh, all those things that my dad had to deal with and live with. Because someone stepped up. Someone said, I'm going to take responsibility and, and, and I don't want this anymore. I want to break this generational negativity and this generational curse. And I want to now instead invoke a positive path for the next generation. And he took responsibility not only for himself, but he took responsibility for those who were watching. Are you catching what I'm saying today? He, he, he set the tone he understood his influence, and he wanted to make sure that he took that responsibility. Look at somebody and say, you do you. Nope, let's do, we got to do better than that. Look at somebody and say, you do you. All right, here's the deal. You are an individual, and you have to take responsibility for being an individual that has gifts. Now, don't misunderstand this. That doesn't mean you have to do it alone. This is not some type of isolation or some type of trying to prove something to someone. We definitely need each other. We see that all throughout Scripture. But you have to do you. You have to take responsibility for the influence and the gifts that God has given you. You have the responsibility. It doesn't mean you have to do it alone. It just means you need to own the responsibility. And Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift. He said, you do you. It's in there. It was in your grandma. It was in your mom. I laid hands on you. So many times in in church culture, we just want someone to pray for us again, lay hands on us again, to stir it back up. Paul said, listen, I'm in jail. I can't come lay hands on you. I did it once. It's in there. Now it's your responsibility to stir it up. Stop looking for someone to try to fix your problems. This is your responsibility to take and own and to do something with. It's in you. I'm convinced. Don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid. Don't doubt because that stuff's not from God. He said, God didn't give you that spirit of fear. God gave you love, power, and a sound mind. He gave you the self-control. Don't allow yourself to to wander in your thinking and in your doubting and in your lack of faith because it's in there, Timothy. You just got to own it. You got to take responsibility. You've got to awaken the influence. You've got to awaken the gift. You've got to stir it up on the inside of you and take responsibility. Let's keep on reading in 2 Timothy. We left off at verse 7, but let's read that one again. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Verse 8, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel "...by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do." But I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. In other words, Paul saying, I'm taking responsibility for this. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit that's been entrusted to you. Guard the good deposit that's already on the inside of you. He's letting him know God has put in you what is necessary for you to do what he's called you to do. You've just got to awaken to it. You've got to awaken the gifts. You've got to stir up the gifts. You've got to take the responsibility. Paul is saying, Don't be afraid what other people think. God gave you this gift, He gave you this responsibility. Now wake up. I know that it's hard. He said, I get it. I know you're intimidated. He leveled with him. This is exactly what happened. Paul said, I get it. I know it's hard. I know there's a lot of voices that are negative that would like to discourage you, that would like to drag you down. He said, I get persecution. He said, I'm sharing in the suffering for the sake of the gospel. I get it. I'm suffering too, all right? I'm writing you this letter from prison, okay? So he's letting them know when you're trying to drift into feeling sorry for yourself, when you're trying to drift into intimidation and, oh, I'm not good enough, when you're trying to drift into, oh, I've made too many mistakes, when you try to drift over into, oh, these people are so much better at this and I'm just not as gifted or as special or, or as anointed or, or as, as recognized or acknowledged. And all these lies that the enemy tries to come and whisper in your ear and all of these attacks where people are trying to put you down and people are trying to squelch that gift. Paul said, I get it. I'm suffering too because of the gift that God has given me. I'm suffering too because of the message of the gospel that I have taken responsibility for. I get it. I'm suffering too, but I'm not quitting. And you need to follow the example that I'm setting for you. You shouldn't quit either. Paul is saying, listen, I'm trying to influence you from jail to say, don't quit. Don't stop. Stir up the gift that's on the inside of you. Awaken the gift. Awaken the influence. Recognize the responsibility and take ownership of it. Just because you're struggling doesn't change your responsibility. That'll preach right there. Just because you're discouraged doesn't change your responsibility. Just because you've come under attack, I get it. I know you've come under attack. I know the enemy wants to take you out. I know he doesn't want us uh, sharing the gospel all over the world. I know he doesn't want you sharing the gospel and living out truth and sharing truth with your co-workers. Why would he want you to do that? So, of course, there's an enemy that would love to come in and attack and discourage and get you all intimidated, but that's not from God. God has not given you a spirit of fear. So stir up the gift. Stir up the gift that's on the inside of you. I'm convinced that it's there. The good deposit that was made in you, that was entrusted in you, the example that was set before you. Follow that and and thus set an example for others to follow as well. As they see you following Christ, like Paul said over and over again, just follow me as as I'm following Christ. It's Christ is my reason, Christ is my why. Follow me as I'm following Christ, because your gift is your responsibility. Your gift is your responsibility to develop it, to invest in it, to even discover it. And sharpen it. It is, it is part of your responsibility. You know, God didn't give us chairs. He didn't say, you know, it wasn't like an eighth day thing that we're unaware of. Like on day eight, God created chairs. He didn't create chairs, did He? But what did God create? He created trees, Right? He created trees, and what did He do? He gave us the materials and the creativity and the know-how and the, and, the, and the insight and the engineering to be able to work with the gifts that He gave us to do something with those gifts, not for it to just sit there, but for us to take what He's entrusted us with and to steward it and manage it and do things with it that we need to do. You see, God has given you something, and it may be a raw material, Maybe a raw gift, maybe a raw personality, maybe a raw uh, uh, passion that he's put on the inside of you. And you just don't quite know what to do with it. And the enemy would love to tell you all your passion is just, you know, you can't ever really do anything with that. There's no space for that. You'll never be able to accomplish this. What you do doesn't really matter. It's just such a small thing. The time you give, I mean, you should feel good about it because you're a good person doing a good little deed. But, you know, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it probably doesn't matter all that much. He loves to whisper that kind of stuff into people's ears to make them feel like they're just not a part of anything that matters. I love the story of the guy that was sweeping the hallways of NASA when President Kennedy walked through the hallway and he asked the man who was sweeping, what are you doing, sir? And he says, Mr. President, I'm helping put a man on the moon. See, he understood something different about his role. He understood something different about the part that he played. And he knew that his job mattered and it was vital and that he was a part of something much bigger than himself. And we need to understand when the enemy wants to come in and whisper and make you feel like you're not enough, like you're somehow second class, like you're a a second class citizen of heaven. Listen to me, there is no such thing as a second-class citizen of heaven. You understand? There, there, there is no economy class in heaven. There is no us sitting you know, uh, in, in, at some uh, table that is for all the rest of us while all the really good Christians get to sit at the head table. There's no such thing in the eyes of God. There's no such thing in the value system of heaven. There's no such thing as an insignificant Christian. If we're a follower of Christ, we are a son and a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is our Father. He is a good Father, and He loves us just as we are. Amen? And we need to see that value that He's given us because He's put gifts on the inside of us. He's given us responsibility. And if the enemy can keep us feeling like we are insignificant and we don't matter, and like we just can't do anything that really makes a difference then we'll just sit on our gifts and we won't take responsibility and we'll always feel like we're not good enough because we can't do something as well as someone else. We'll always compare ourselves to other people. We'll always point fingers and we'll always blame why we're not doing this or why we're not doing that. And it's always maybe some past hurt. Well, I just don't want to get hurt again. Maybe it's disappointment. I just don't want to be disappointed again. Maybe it's because it didn't work out the first time. Hey, I get it. But that doesn't change our responsibility. Paul says, "I get it. I've suffered, but it's your responsibility. You are not alone in this discovery and refining of your gifts. This is not a solo sport. This is something we are to do together. Proverbs 27:17 says, "Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another." That's part of our responsibility is to also help to sharpen other people to help them to grow, to help them to see what they're not seeing, to help them to be elevated to to new heights of seeing and accomplishing things for the Lord instead of feeling like they'll never be able to do anything at all while they're just sitting on their giftedness. You see, in church and in Christian life, some people look at the person that speaks every week to the congregation And they see that person's gift in operation all the time. You are looking at my gift. I have the gift of gab. God has given me a gift. This is my gift. And it's on display for everyone to see. Everyone sees my gift, okay? Maybe not everyone sees your gift because maybe it's not on a stage and it's not speaking to everyone. Maybe your gift is something that no one sees but God. Maybe your gift is that he's put in you a heart of intercession to pray for people that you will never meet but he's put a burden on your heart to be a person of prayer and and you spend time alone with the father and you're praying and no one will ever know that you do that because you don't go around announcing it to everyone you don't go around look at what i've done look at all the things i've accomplished you don't do that no instead you you do faithfully what god has put in you to do the burden that he's put on your heart and the gift that he's given you and your gift is just as important as my gift that everyone sees. Are you hearing me today? I don't know if you believe that or not. That was pretty weak. Do you believe that? Because if we think just because someone is on a stage that they're more important or more significant, then we're really missing out on seeing the significance of our contribution into eternity. We miss out on the contribution that God has us make because we don't think it's as important as someone else's. Every one of you have a gift, and it's just as important as my gift, even though you see my gift every week. My gift is not more important. This is just my responsibility, and it's my role, and it's my gift. And it just happens to be that it's in front of a lot of people. Just because something's in front of a lot of people doesn't make it more or less important. Amen, somebody? Just like just because a book's sitting on the New York Times bestseller list doesn't mean it's a good book. (laughs) You can sell a lot of copies, but it doesn't mean it's the best. Just means a lot of people are interested in it or a lot of people are duped into it. it. Doesn't mean it's the best. There is no hierarchy of gifts in the eyes of the Lord. There is no hierarchy of Christianity. Just because you call me pastor doesn't mean important. It means that's my responsibility. It means that's my role. It doesn't mean more important. And you have to get this. And, and that's why I say this to our church family all the time, because you have to get this. Because if you keep drinking the Kool-Aid of believing that the pastor is more significant than you, then you'll depend on the pastor to do kingdom work while you sit on your hands. When you see your role as significant in the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter if you're sweeping the hallway, I'm helping put a man on the moon doesn't matter if you're the person holding the door open. I'm helping to create a welcome environment so someone can feel welcome and their heart can be open to the gospel and their eternity can be impacted. It changes my perspective. It changes the way that I do what I do because I take responsibility for the influence that God has given me, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's at church. I recognize the church is not somewhere I go, but it's who I am. I'm a part of this body of Christ, and I'm living my life to show forth the glory of God and show others the gospel in action. And when I take that responsibility and realize I have a part in this deal, I have a gift. And I wake up to that thing. Man, i got to fan the flame. i got to fan the flame of that gift. i got to stir it up. That's my responsibility. Don't bury your gifts. Fear will keep your gifts buried. Fear was trying to take Timothy out. Fear was the motivator to cause the servant in Jesus' parable about the talents to not use the gift that was given to him. Jesus told a parable about a master that had given his servants talents, and those were measurements of money that he had given to each one of them. He said according to their ability, according to the the way they were taking care of it, according to the level of responsibility that they had been willing to take. He said he gave each one of these three servants a measure of finances, and then he left away for a, a long time, and he comes back to collect on his accounts, and he expected them to do something with what he had given them. And there was one guy who didn't do anything with it. The other two did something with it. But one guy didn't do anything with it. And this is what he said. He said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man, always wanting to reap where you haven't sowed. And so I was afraid of you. So I went and hid and buried your money so that now just take back what is yours. And the, and the master said, You wicked and lazy servant. He said, you knew what I expected out of you and you did nothing with it. He said, "That's take that away from him and give it to the one who has the most. He said, that doesn't make sense. Why would you not do something with what I gave you? And even though the talents there in that parable were talking about measures of money, the principle is still the same. God has given you gifts. He's given all of us gifts and he wants us to awaken to those gifts and do something with those gifts, not just sit on them. And not just be afraid. Fear was trying to take Timothy out. Fear was the, one that, the thing that was keeping the, the servant from doing anything with it. Your gifts are a huge part of your influence, and it's time to wake up. It's time to awaken to influence and do something for God, not just sit around waiting till you feel qualified. Stop waiting for some miracle or some sign. The cross was the biggest sign you'll ever get and the gospel is the biggest miracle you'll ever need to know that you're called with a purpose and to something bigger than yourself. The cross is the biggest sign you'll ever need and the gospel is the biggest miracle you'll ever experience to know that your life is not your own, that your life is a continual worship song to God and the gifts that He has put on the inside of you need to be awakened and used for His kingdom. I've taken some time to write some deeper teaching on this subject in our community group study guide. And I've also put a lot of resources in there to help you discover and sharpen your gifts. If you don't know where to start, go grab one of the community group study guides right out at Community Group Central on the big red wall across from the cafe. Go grab one. And I want you to take that thing and and go through those things to begin to start to discover how God has made you, who he's made you to be. Study this thing, develop it. That's part of your responsibility. We just talked about the Next Move class. We just talked about the the, the uh, relaunching of a new Next Move class that's coming out. We have a class in there that's called Who You Are that's going to help you discover your gifts. Maybe that's a good starting place for you. I don't care what you do. Do something to get on the right path to discover who God has made you to be. The gifts He's put on the inside of you. The passions that He's put on the inside of you. The things that break your heart that you sometimes just feel powerless to do anything about, but yet God may be stirring something in you that He wants you to do something with that, that He's wanting to use that passion in you to to serve a greater purpose. And it doesn't have to be the person out front. The person out front is not the most important. If the person out front thinks that they're important, then you're going to be following a personality. And those types of movements or churches, they just don't last or make a real significant impact in the kingdom because it becomes all about the leader. I don't want Word of Grace to be that kind of church, and I hope you don't either. I, I hope that you want Word of Grace to be the type of church family that we're all collectively together recognize the part that we play, and we together in unity are moving forward to see lives impacted for the kingdom of God, to see disciples made, to see people grow in loving god loving people and serving the world that we have a purpose that's bigger than any one individual when we closed our eyes we all thought about someone we thought about a teacher we thought about a parent we thought about a grandparent we thought about maybe a, a boss that really invested in us or a friend that made a significant impact positively in our lives. I thought about my dad, David Armstrong, the single biggest influence in my life. And he was and still is far from perfect. But the single biggest thing that he did that had the biggest impact in my life was this. He never gave up. Even when I thought he had given up, he didn't. He would lose his job and he would keep looking for work. He would lose family members to drug and alcohol abuse, and he would keep going. He would adjust and keep pressing forward, even when he fell into temptation and drugs and alcohol tried to take everything from him later on in life. Even when disappointment in pastors and churches came along, even when he felt too old to do anything significant, he kept moving forward. And I believe one of the greatest gifts I have is my ability to adjust and keep moving forward despite the circumstances. And I attribute that to the model that was set before me. That doesn't make it easy just because you have a gift to do something. It's still painful because pain is still pain. Disappointment is still disappointment, but someone showed me how to keep moving forward. Someone told me how to adjust and keep trucking forward because what we're doing matters. What God has called us to matters. This is important stuff. This is not just a check off my religious duties, obligation fulfilled, time that we all share together once a week. This is eternity hanging in the balance. What we do impacts eternity. The table we prepare, the things we set up, the things that happen behind the scenes, it's impacting eternity. Eternity is a lot longer than your life here on earth, okay? Eternity matters a lot more than our lives here on earth. I know it may be painful. I know there may be suffering. I know there may be challenges. I I know there's lots of excuses. I get it. I'm suffering with you because I am a man just like you, and I get it. But my why is bigger than the challenges, Eternity in mind is bigger than the suffering. And it causes us to recognize our responsibility to pick it up when intimidation and fear tries to rise up. When feeling insignificant and like what I'm doing is not really mattering begins to whisper and hit the replay button in my my mind over and over again. I pick up the responsibility and I fan the flame. I stir the gift up. And I remind myself why I'm doing what I'm doing. I remind myself that I'm called to a greater purpose, that my life is not my own, that I'm bought with a price, that God has given me gifts and I need to use them for His kingdom. God has given me influence and I need to leverage that influence to impact eternity. I need to use those gifts and use those passions and use those talents and use those abilities to do something that's going to matter In the scale and the span of eternity. Paul said, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now. I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame, to stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of self-control. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word with our church family. I pray that you would help us to stir up the gift that's on the inside of us. To stir up the gift that you have put on the inside of us. And, and to find that connection point where we begin to use our gifts. Where we don't sit on them and let them lay dormant. Where we don't allow disappointments and struggles and failures and hurts and pains from the past. Or negative voices from the past. To keep, us, to, to keep our, our gifts ourselves or bury them or wait for the right time or wait till we feel qualified or feel good enough but let us father embrace the message of the gospel that would open up a pathway for us to begin to do what we can do with the influence that you've given us at work at church at home in our marriages with our friends that we use those things for your kingdom's sake, for your glory, Lord. I pray you stir up within us a unified passion to begin to awaken to influence and awaken the gifts that are already there and to set a new tone, to make a new generational investment for your kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.